Em Rossiano and Michael Lucas. If a girl looks like me, I'll go for her. I mean, come on. You've got to respect that. <laughs> this is Emsolation. For me, it was just blank rejection, no sex. <laughs> I don't think parents congratulate kids when they come out every time. I know I will if that happens here. <laughs> That's your dream job. Sit at home with a microphone. Judging hot people. <laughs> You're in Emsolation. Hello, darlings, and welcome to another week of Emsolation. A special hello to all the Emsolators and Emsolovers listening. Yeah, that's right. Will Anderson's not the only one who likes to use a pun in a title. There's a special club now. Did you know? If you consider yourself a hardcore fan of this podcast and you want to support it on another level, you can. You can go to my website, emrussiano.com, and click on the Listen section for all the info. It's quite exciting. But look, I do need your help, and it's not often I call upon the army, but I am. I'm wanting you to bring it in and gather around me because I do need help. On Friday, I went to check how many people had listened to the show because I'm, you know what I'm like, I'm very needy, I'm a performer, I want to know that people are involved. And when I went into the back end of my podcast to check how many downloads there'd been, there'd only been one. Now, that's about 40,000 less than usual. And I panicked. And it turns out someone accidentally wiped all of the analytics, all of your listens to my show for last week. So if you listen to Live from the Roadside or the Queen Bobbit app, that got deleted. And I need those numbers, guys. I need them for the ratings. I need them to get sponsorship. So I'm going to ask a favour. If you listened to both both those episodes last week, I need you to go back and listen to the begin. You don't even have to pay attention. Just have them on as background noise. You know, just turn it down, but play the episode, both of them, from start to finish. So I need you to go back and do that for Life from the Roadside and Queen Bobbit. This is a huge favour to ask, I know, but honestly, just press play and walk away and you'll be helping me so much. Friday was rough. After I found out about all the numbers being wiped, I found out why Elio has been having a sore tummy. So, you know, he's been unwell and, and um, a lot of it has been put down to teething, but I took him to the doctors and they were listening to his tummy and, and my doctor, Gav, said, God, he's really bubbly in there. We need to do a poo sample. I'm like, okay, great, gross, but fine. So we, we, we did that and he had some bacteria in his poo and just like couldn't really figure out what was going on. <sighs> but I found out it's all my fault. It's because his sippy cup had mould in the lid And I didn't know. Oh, my God, you guys. I meticulously cleaned that thing. But the mould had gotten in under the sealed lid. It's the part that he actually puts his mouth to. And there's a small opening there, but you can't clean it. It's covered in this latex cover and you can't clean it. And I do clean it because I'm super aware of mould. But he was holding it, flinging it around, and I noticed a little shadow just on the corner of the lid. And so I wedged a knife in and lifted up the latex covering and it was horrifying. It was like, oh, my God, it was sludge. And it was making him unwell. Well, I cried and cried. I was just, you know how much I love that little boy. Like he's, he's just the light of my life. You know, I don't want to say I have favourites, but you know, he's a gorgeous little baby boy. <laughs> and I don't recall having ever felt more, I just felt like a failure. I love him so much. And I just think how many times I offered him a sip of water. How many times I have a little drink? And he was drinking through mould. So friends, check the lids of your kids' sippy cups, the sealed ones, 
under and around, lift up every crevice. I know they're convenient. I get it. But oh my God, I went down a sippy cup black hole online because I Googled everything. I Googled it all. I wanted to make sure he was okay. I'm checked with his doctor and he's fine. Like it's okay. It just gives him an upset tummy. But I found this is very common and those things are bloody little health hazards. So we're going back to a regular plastic cup. I don't care. I'll make him a solid gold chalice to drink out of. I don't care. He's much better. It's okay. His tummy is 100% improved. We're just back to dealing with teething and sleep regression now. (laughs) But I did go out and buy him a Moana doll and a Moana book, which was a 100% guilt purchase. And he doesn't even understand that I bought him that to make myself feel better. But I do feel better once I gave it to him. So please, please, please check your sippy cups. If you take nothing away from this episode, I need you to go back and listen to last week's podcast and check your bloody sippy cups. Oh, and just on a little note, can I just tell you that Moana is 16-month-old crack. If you need a bit of a break and you can't find anything that just holds your young toddler's attention for longer than 20 seconds, try Moana. I don't know what it is, but he is transfixed. He loves it. Every day we play a little bit, and I also put the songs on in the car, and the songs are amazing because Lin-Manuel wrote them. And so it's like Junior Hamilton. He wrote Hamilton, one of the greatest musicals of all time. If you've got a toddler and you just need five minutes to go to the toilet or whatever, just pop on Moana. I'm not even kidding. All right, we should probably get to it. Uh, It's just Michael Lucas and I today because Elio was up all night with the teething. Not the tummy, all right, the teething. And normally he naps when we record, but not today, so Scott's looking after him. So Michael Lucas will be answering one of your questions. One of you recorded a question and sent it through. And look, you may or may not have seen that we had a MasterChef-themed dinner party at my house. (gasps) Michael dressed as Jock and I dressed as Melissa and Marcella dressed as Katy Perry and uh, Odette dressed as Laura, you know, the one who's obsessed with Jock, the one who only makes pasta, and um, Scott dressed as Andy. So we we all went in, and I have to say, both Melissa and Jock have since slid into our DMs on Instagram. Oh, my God. Of course, Michael and I will be discussing that. Did you guys watch MasterChef on Sunday night? You'll know if you did, you know, that my mate Hado left. Poor old Hado. Oh, God. Well, look, I won't get too deep into it. Let's bring Michael Lucas in. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. Well, fresh off the devastating voting off the island of our friend Hayden Quinn, my friend Michael Lucas joins me. <laughs> Michael Lucas, are you okay this morning? We've lost our guy. He's gone. He's been oh. voted off the island. His torch has been extinguished. I know. And he's just like a little puppy, a little puppy that got a kick, and it was painful. Puppies shouldn't cook, though, should they? In a cooking competition for fine dining chefs. <laughs> <laughs> Would you let your puppy cook you a meal? No, you wouldn't. Bless him. Look, for those of you who are not on Twitter, I was quite harsh with my friend Hayden at times, especially, you know, when he served up the judges' Doritos. Uh, and last night he undercooked some pork dumplings. He tried to give our beloved judges, except for Andy, salmonella poisoning. So, I mean, if you're in the top of the top of MasterChef and can't cook a dumpling, some would ask, should you be there, Michael? Look, indeed, but what a spirit. That's what that's why oh. that's what I think. He Listen. has an Aussie larrikin upbeat. He's just like he's like a side character in a Chris Lilly show in a really appealing way. He is fantastic. He's a wonderful human, but we need to be cutthroat. This is a cooking competition. And when you've got someone like Reynold who is doing blowing sugar balls. To, to create a stunning snow dome effect over a deconstructed apple pie and Hado can't even get a dumpling right in some broth? Like, I just feel like, yes, 
And he's going to have, because of the way the world is structured, he's going to have an even more successful career than any of those other better cooks because that's just what happens to good-looking straight white guys who have a modicum of ability. Do you know what I mean? I think we're getting a sense of if we were judges on a reality show, who would be the nice judge and who would be the harsh judge? I mean, I'm the Marsha in this situation, clearly. No, she, she, oh, Marsha had a tooth. She had an edge. But, I mean, if Hayden had brought that up to me, I would have been like, dude, come on. Like, what are we at? Week 57? <laughs> What? Cook a dumpling, dickhead. Like, I love you, mate, but go back and do it again. I want to send him back into the kitchen. Top points for, yeah. I just love how you stand there and smile as Em insults you. And I really, I respect it. And it's that kind of spirit we need in this world. Go for it. No. That's about all he would have got spirit, for me. That spirit isn't going to make me a stunning creme brulee with a, with a crackling top, is it? He would just give me some bloody yoga, <laughs> wouldn't he, with a spoon? I love Hayden Quinn. If you're trying to, like, create some sort of world where <laughs> not as talented, good-looking straight men can't get ahead, then that's not a world I recognise. No one do I want to live in. I mean, if we want to go down that route, why is Andy a judge? But anyway, I'll, um, <laughs> I, I'm playing the ball, not the man, by the way, because he is my friend. And I do want to point out, he tweeted me last night and I tweeted at him and said, oh, no, you're gone. What a shame. We're really going to miss you because he's very entertaining to watch. I love watching him. He's so kind. And he wrote back, ha ha, thank you, Em. The MasterChef tag will no longer be the same without me cooking bog standard food and you describing it to the world. <laughs> so even he admits it. Oh, see, I just felt sorry for him then again. No. <laughs> sorry. Look, if, you want sorry. A, if you want an amazing steak and some great potatoes and like some really great home-cooked meals, Hayden's your guy. <laughs> just check they're cooked. <laughs> Now nah, they'll be cooked. He'll be doing it on the barbie on the out front of the surf after he's come back in. But if like I, if I'm watching MasterChef, I want sh- I want goggles and sugar balls and deconstructed cakes and things I could never cook. I can cook a dumpling, so you know what's the point? I don't know. He yeah. He, his destiny is to do some sort of outback cooking show that has a segment that yeah. ends with him like giving a thumbs up and going, "Well, I'm off for a surf and racing into the waves." And I will watch that he's, happily. He's already done that. <laughs> he's already had that show. He's had a few shows like that actually. But don't worry, there'll be another one. Because he and I are actually doing a thing together at the moment. We're we're cooking for Campbell's stock. And um, I'm doing another video, again, another cooking video as inspired by Hayden Quinn. So our parts are crossing professionally already. So that seems fair. Because we do love MasterChef, obviously, and if you follow either of Michael or I on Instagram, you may have seen what occurred at my house on Saturday night as lockdown laws were loosened by Dan Andrews. Although he's trending today. What's Dan done, Michael? Why is Dan Andrews no, trending? No, it's because of there's a right-wing uh, MP who, who he's trying to, like, go all Trump. And he put out a poll oh. on Twitter saying, should we call him Chairman Dan or Dictator Dan? And everyone's basically hanging shit on him. So Dan is number one on Twitter because of that. Tim someone? Tim Smith? Smith. I don't even want to say his name. I feel like he's just tr- trying to inject that kind of juvenile, petty kind of bullying thing. And oh, I just do not want it to take root here. I know we do a lot of shit that America does, but come on, we can draw the <laughs> no, line. <laughs> now, it's interesting. My daughter works at IGA and they got slammed on Friday night and Saturday morning with people preparing for dinner parties. Us among them. <laughs> she did go to work with a list. And um, so we on Saturday night had a themed MasterChef dinner, did we not? We did indeed. It was mm-hmm. just, I, I, it was the perfect thing, even if I say so myself. <laughs> and let's just say there were, not all the guests took the theme 
quite as seriously as we took it. I mean, Em actually managed to source a genuine mystery box from the MasterChef's kitchen. That's the I level did. we're at. I did. I'm committed. I think if you're going to dress up, don't half-ass, full-ass, both cheeks in. And I did, when I was at the project on Thursday, mention we were having a MasterChef-themed dinner party, and then Brad, one of the producers, walked out and then walked back in with an actual mystery box from the first season. This thing is, like, iconic. It'll be in a museum one day. And he said, <laughs> you must bring it back. It holds my records. I said, of course. <laughs> but he had his vinyls in it. <laughs> so I bought it home and I walked in the door and I was like, guys, I said to my family, look what I've got. And they all went, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, if Michael Lucas was here, he would appreciate it. Oh, I showed my appreciation in good time with about the 87,000 pictures that we took posing with it. <laughs> now you dressed up as Jock and let's just say your husband is like my husband in that they – they're a little bit uncomfortable with our commitment to costume. Yes. Uh, my husband was sort of saying, look, I haven't I haven't got out of my pyjamas for two months. It's too extreme to go from that to a full Michael and M costume party. But, I mean, I reject that. I reject that. It does appear do that well. we are in a small minority in this world, and yet Em and I are completely on the same wavelength. If you're going to do it, do it. And if it takes yes. 48 hours of preparation to do it, you put in that time. You get it exact. You do, and I don't understand why I'm always attracted to people. I think the reason we are best friends is because both of us have that ethos of we, we commit, we passion. We put passion into the project no matter how. How ridiculous. We once both body painted each other in a replica of the Gautier and Kimbra film clip, somebody that I used to know. You mapped mm. it out, Michael, and mm. you painted my body. Every part of Em's body, yes. We've experienced <laughs> that. No inch was left unpainted. I still remember no. her screaming going, oh, we're really getting to know each other now, aren't we? It's true. So you came as jock and, I mean, you nailed it. I almost faltered when you wanted to shave one of your arms for a fake tattoo. Oh, I know, but it was important because the tattoo wouldn't stick unless I shaved it, so that was essential. And I really – the weird thing about it is jock – being jock has just unleashed something in me. I felt so comfortable. I've always sort of felt like – you know, the, I'm, I'm going to be a better 40-something. And I see Jock as kind of like a – like he's he's nailing being a stylish mid-40s sort of dude with his, with his mm. little vests and his grey hair and everything like that. And so, I, I mean, I, as you well know, often wear a lot of kind of sloppy T-shirts and sneakers and everything like that. But to go the vest with the tats with the, and I greyed up my hair and so I sort of aged myself up about four, five years and made myself more mm. dapper and I just felt like I could be this person. I mean, I won't. You but could. I did feel in that moment. I even like the tattoo. And I know how scary it is to mention that in front of you because I don't have a tattoo. Em has many. And I looked at it and I, I get it now. I get why you'd have a tattoo. I'm going to take you for He's your first tattoo. It's already decided. You looked amazing. It's on my Instagram at Emraciano and Michael at Mr. Michael Lucas. And I went as Melissa Leong and I had – we just both happened to own the same outfit, just by the way. That was not something I went out and bought. I already owned it. But the most exciting thing – Although we would support you going out to buy it because that's the level of commitment 100%. that we have. 100%. But then the MasterChef judges noticed us online after we tagged them repeatedly <laughs> in many photos. <laughs> <laughs> and you got the first acknowledgement. I know, from Melissa. She started reposting and she went on a repost binge and she sent me a message. She sent better messages to you. 
but I know you could you could only I'm sorry to all the residents of Greater Warrandyte that are screaming when Melissa first made contact. And we were we, the only two. Like, I mean, you've got teenage daughters and they were like, oh. I remember trying to communicate to Odie the excitement of it. So in the end I just had to race to your bedroom jumping up and down, going, <laughs> and then Jock. Yeah, then Jock. And then Jock. finally a day later, Andy. <laughs> oh, care factor. <laughs> Uh, my husband dressed as Andy appropriately. It was very exciting. We got acknowledged. We had our dinner and then um, we went home. I mean, we peaked quite early with the re- retweeting of the judges, I have to say. We like, did. The, the, we the did. Night, and the back that and forth the of the judges. Oh, I know. And I got you invited in to a drink with Melissa. And Jock slid into my DMs, guys. <laughs> Can I just say, what a psychopathic way to, like, commence a friendship. Yeah, we're open to friendship. Just send us 15 images of you that we can replicate and put online and then we'll move on to messages. What's your point? If someone dressed up explicitly like me and then said, I want to be friends, do you think I'd knock that person back? No way. (laughs) Oh, so there we go. Um, But my Hayden's gone. Very sad. So sad. But um, now let the cooking begin. Um, (laughs) Now you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna hang around because Scotty Barrow won't be in today's podcast. Um, he's looking after the baby because we've been going through some stuff with the baby, uh, and this podcast wouldn't have happened at all today if he had have done that. So serendipitously enough, Michael, a lady sent in a question for you. <laughs> I know, I'm so honoured. We'll let everyone just have a little reset, and then we'll come back and we'll play that question and chat about it. This is Emsolation. All right, we're back. And uh, normally, yes, Coach Scotty's he's not here today. Coach Michael is stepping in and hanging around uh, because a lady, Michael Lucas, um, sent in a question because she, she heard you say this on a podcast past. Hi, Em. My name's Amy from Melbourne. I don't have a question for Scotty, more a question for Michael. Um, I really like this bit that he said last week. The biggest one, the most professionally costly one is I can't concentrate anymore. And I can't explain why that's happened because if ever there was a time where you had the space and the stillness to concentrate, it's right now. But I can't stare at my computer screen for more than 25 seconds without Googling generally Britney's Instagram, but just anything. Why? It really hit home with me. I'm trying to finish my PhD and I just can't do it. And when he said that, it made me start to cry. I'd love him to go into it a little bit more if he feels like it. Mm. Oh. Oh, it almost made me cry to hear that another person is in, is in the position. Only on Friday, I was speaking to uh, another person that I'm working with and I was saying, I, I feel like I've got to the end of this uh, ISO period. I mean, I know it's going to drift on in various forms, but essentially like the really hardcore part of it has ended. And I feel like I've neither worked effectively, but nor have I relaxed effectively. I've, I've ended up in this horrible middle ground where I haven't given myself a break, but nor have I really got great stuff to show for it. And it was crushing. So I feel, Amy, so hard. I'm sure you do too, don't you, Em? I, I don't even know if I can say. I feel like I've wasted this period. I have a whole book due. Like it's so late and it looms over me so much and I cannot, I've had, I mean, it's not like I've had a great deal of time because I do have a 15-month-old baby that has two naps a day and so during those I'm frantically trying to catch up between those 
when he's napping. So I get probably he naps for about an hour and a half each time. So three hours a day where he's not on me. And I've not achieved anything. I mean, I'm achieving this podcast. (laughs) That's the great thing to come out of this. But I feel like we've all placed this expectation that that's what needed to happen. But I feel like, Michael, maybe that's wrong and Oh, yeah. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, it was a great experiment. I mean, no one I know has ever lived through a pandemic isolation. And yes, cl- no. there were people that were tweeting all these things about did you know that Shakespeare wrote all of his amazing plays when, you know, there was some sort of flu pandemic back in, <laughs> back <laughs> centuries ago? And that's when he churned out all these masterpieces. <sighs> and I, I myself had the expectation of, you know, this is a gift. It's a gift for me to be able to get this time to concentrate. And that is the exact thing that I couldn't do. And I feel like we're going to need more people to stand and raise their hand and go, I tried the whole pandemic isolation period and it was shit. I look at what I've written and I want to cry because that's certainly the position that I'm in. I agree. And I think that if everyone just needs to say, don't worry that you didn't seize the opportunity because it's not like this was time set aside in advance, do you know? And, and there's other things weighing on you and there's there's the threat of things shutting down and I just think expecting you're going to walk out of this with, you know, Romeo and Juliet or, or whatever, I just feel like mm. that was the wrong thing to place on everyone. So I want to say to Amy, whatever you achieved is great. It's amazing that you're trying to do what you're trying to do anyway and don't be so hard on yourself. Like I just think there's no point because there's no rule book. There's no plays on how to survive lockdown and what you should and shouldn't achieve, don't you reckon? Totally. I mean, the weird, the, one of the horrible things about it for me is that I have sort of trained myself over the years to really kind of love writing. And, you know, remember when you're a teenager and you've got essays at high school and it's just, oh, it feels so horrible to have to drag yourself to the computer. You know, that's how everyone feels about it at some point. But then over the years, I've really, really forced myself to find all these ways so that I can come and start writing in the morning and feel happy about how? it. And in this pandemic, it's just things no, like... No, you have to tell... Example- okay, stop, stop. You have, yeah. For me, you've never said this to me. And anyone who's listening now who's got things they have to write, they're perking up. How have you trained yourself to love to write? Besides, obviously, the innate thing that's already there. When, when, you know, when you know you have to, how have you done that? Oh, for me, and I mean, a lot of this, for me, just simple essential keys are, for example, I always, for me, do my first little bit of writing in a cafe in the morning (laughs) so that I leave the house, I have a commute. I hate just getting up, rolling out of bed and going into my study and opening up the laptop and writing. I hate it so much. I need the break. And so for me, that's always like a cue that I've developed. I go to the cafe, I order the coffee or the tea, I have that first little hit of caffeine and I start to write. And so it's sort of, the, the start of writing is accompanied by pleasure, but that I can't yes. replicate in the house. And then also, yes. um, often I will do something like swimming for me. I know that's not going to work for everyone, but swimming for me is the best exercise to, to I don't know, to match with writing. I, I, if I'm struggling, if I'm sitting there banging my head against, you know, the wall with a particular scene or something that I can't write, for me, the best mm. thing to do is go swimming, swim hard, get all that oxygen in. And then so often I'll get out of the pool and think, oh, I'm refreshed and I know exactly what I want to do. And that's been taken away from me and I can't get it from walking. And it's just <laughs> losing all those little cues that I developed yeah. and reducing me to just, you know, get up, open the laptop and start. 
And then plus as well, you know, the news is rolling in. It's so hard to stop yourself just constantly checking what's happening. What's happening? What? How many cases are there mm. today? Oh, are they going to open this? Are they going to open that? Are they going to like, yeah, th- there's the constant distraction of, of Google is worse than ever before. So mm. I failed. I failed pretty hard. No, this whole time. but that I mean, was I've done You've just solved it though. Like you, you had your rituals taken away. And so for Amy, I imagine that her the, the usual cues and usual things she does to get through her writing have been taken away also and you've been disrupted. So same with me. I was going to the library to write the book. I was going off-site to be away from distractions and because I couldn't, I just couldn't get any writing done. So I think I think you may have helped a lot of people. I feel a little bit better today because on the weekend I was able to, and I would say to Amy, make use of the fact that we can now visit people because there's something mm. about having that gear shift. On the weekend I had a dinner party with you. I also went and spent time with my mother and in that time I could completely forget about what I was writing, yeah. which is essential. You need to do that on the weekend and I haven't been able to do it for weeks. So I would say definitely, definitely go push yourself out to visit people. Even if you feel like you should be chained to your laptop, it's better to put in a couple of hours in a circumstance where you can't think about it. Oh, my God, I love it. Thank you so much, Coach Michael Lucas. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, so thrilled. <laughs> that was really good. Uh, well, I know you've got a meeting, so you best be going, and um, we'll chat again on Thursday. Everyone will hear you then. Speak then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. A Podcast One production.